Hey, everybody, and thanks for listening to Starting a Record Label. This podcast is about me going through the motions, starting a record label. So I started thinking about like how where I can get some more information, uh, maybe see some people that have actually gone through this process before, like just straight up talking to indie uh, record labels, and I uh, found a few that I really, really enjoyed, and one of them is Joe Urban's Take This to Heart Records. He's a really nice guy, and... Uh, he gives me a lot of great information, uh, as well as talking about some of the current bands he has on this record label and some bands that he helped get to uh, other record labels like Epitaph and Triple Crown. It's really cool to hear his story. He seems like a really genuine dude, and uh, I'm really happy that I got this interview with him. But before we start, if you could do me a favor and subscribe and share this interview, that'd be great. It goes a long way to help this podcast find the listeners that would really be interested in listening to it. And also, if you're interested in being on the label, if you go to nottodayrobot.com, you can enter in all that information right there. But without further ado, Joe Urban of Take This to Heart Records. So uh, I don't know if you know about the podcast at all, if you listen to it all. Uh, It's basically, I want to start a label, and I thought the best way to do that is to uh, talk to other labels and see like, hey, I, I see all these guys that are doing a really good job, especially independent ones. Like, I want to know kind of how they tick and uh, how they got started. Uh, so what what made you start a label? Um, I This is kind of like the second go around with a label. I was in a band before I worked at a recording studio after the band, you know, fizzled out. And then I was trying to manage bands, and that didn't go well. Where I couldn't, you know, mm-hmm. I couldn't really find them a, a team or whatever. So I decided to start my own thing and just build it from there. Cool. Was it a, a large studio you worked at, or where are you where are you guys out of? By the way, um, I'm in Western Massachusetts, and actually, our shipping and any employees we have are in Cleveland, and that's as recent as like 2017. We added like all the merchandising shipping people. Oh wow! Do you go through like a, a separate company, or are they actually all employees of uh, your label? Yeah, they're employees of uh, of the label. Nice. So it, yeah, the shipping is the worst part, really. When you're doing I it imagine. on your own, trying to do you know everything else, and then ship out you know twenty records a day, it's like uh oh, I'm sure. Uh, like I have a I have a friend that does uh he used to work at DreamWorks and then he started doing comic books and that blew up online and so like he has he does videos like of the crap he had to go through like from trying to ship his own stuff and it just it seems like such a headache. When did you guys move to kind of to having more than just you shipping? Um, when we worked this uh we got a deal with a ADA which is a distribution company where mm-hmm. you know we got our records and you know independent record stores and people were taking more of them. I needed to, you know, just not have 10,000 records in my house. I really didn't need that to happen. (laughs) That was, that was pretty much the, the, the goal is to just move everything out of here. Even though I do have some stuff in my basement, like older, like the first few releases that Mm. no one wanted to pick up. I still, I still (laughs) have them. And the bands that, you know, there's al- there's always going to be a band that, like, oh yeah, let's put out the record. I'm like, oh, I love this record, and you put it out, the band breaks up, and then you're just sad oh. with. It happens once every couple years, definitely. Wow, that's yeah, <laughs> that would be such a sad feeling. I am so sure. I mean, I've even had. Uh, I'm a recording engineer, like by by trade, and I've had bands put down, you know, the payment up front. Uh, I usually do half up front and. A week later, they'll be like, "Yeah, we broke up." I'm like, and I have to. Okay, I think here's your money back. You know, (laughs) I worked at a a studio. I worked at a studio in Western Mass called Zing Studios, where Mm -hmm. they did like a lot of metal records. They did like Killswitch Engage, Under Oath, Devil Wears Prada, Day to Remember. Nice. And like in between, there's always, you know, some smaller bands. And I've and I've been in the studio with bands just break up in the studio. Oh, it's. On the first album, it, it, it you never really know how hard it is for a band to just finish the first album and and play on it. Mm-hmm. I see so many bands, at least locally, throughout my like the last twenty years of just in music, like people like trying to get the first album done and they just can't do it. I think that probably is harder for bands that are like indie bands on an indie label. I think for some odd reason they're in that. 
that period of like, is this real or not? Like, is this going to be like a real job now? And you know, their day jobs. And I think it's just hard for them. And at some point, you know, some people may be in the band. It's just not, you know, it's not their priority. I just, I don't know. I've seen some, some of those crashes and it's, I don't know. It's sad. <laughs> it's disappointing. You all, you always can see there's always one or two people in the band that are just so gun ho mm-hmm. that maybe they're pushing people to do something they don't re- like. The other members they like the band, they enjoy the music, but they just can't make the commitment like the other people want to do. Yeah. So, like, how many artists are actually on your label right now? Uh active that are on the label. I mean, I think we're working like 13 artists, but a few of them are on bigger labels, but we're still doing like promoting back catalog stuff and, and a band like Future Teens actually on Triple Crown, but we have one more release with them. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're pretty much like 13 artists. We're just building up and, and all in various stages of their career. Cool. I was going to say, like, I had read a uh, interview of you um a while, I don't. I actually can't remember how far back it went, but uh, they'd ask you like, "What's the goal of your r- label?" And you'd said to continue to put out records that you love, build bands, send them to bigger labels until we can house bigger bands ourselves and have fun doing uh, what we do. And I thought that was like, that's that's brilliant. Like, I I love the fact that you're like, hey man, you guys, if you guys outgrow us, it's totally cool to uh, to leave. One one of the things like I hope to do in the future is if you know if this label gets taken off that I'm trying to work on is to, to make sure to try as my, as hard as I can to not have any like bad blood about like a label or uh, an artist wanting to leave to do bigger, better things. Uh, has anyone, I, I guess you just talked about a little bit. Has anyone moved on to bigger labels since you started? Yeah. Like a safe face is on epitaph now. And Tyler, like I still talk to Tyler every day. Nice. And like, you know, he's playing me demos from, you know, maybe I shouldn't be saying it, but He's working on his Epitaph album, and he's asking me what I think about it still. I mean, uh, like, the Future Team folk are in Triple Crown, and this is the second band we've sent to Triple Crown. And mm-hmm. and honestly, like, that label's just really, really straightforward, really good people. And I just, I don't mind it. Like, if I know a label can do more than I can do quickly, and it's the right fit, and then the the team behind the band thinks it's the right fit, then I'm okay with it. I don't think I've ever had to fight with a band mm-hmm. on, a, on any situation. Where like, hey, you know, we got an offer from a bigger label. What do you think? I'm like, oh, you know, let's, let's all discuss it. We're pretty transparent in that. That's cool. And those, those decisions have generally gone pretty well. Yeah, like even with the Future Teens album, like I sent the record to their team. Like I said, I'm like, this record's so good. It, it, it needs to be on a, you know, it needs to find a bigger home quickly. Mm-hmm. And we, you know, we worked out a fair deal that I think benefits the band and both labels, which is very rare because they're, they're managers in a, in a, in a band. So he understands the situation and it, it just, I felt it worked out and I'm think everyone I'm working with on the future teens team is, is great. And they mm-hmm. let me, you know, I'm not left out. Of, I'm not in the dark. On anything yeah. they're doing, so that's that's really what makes me feel good. Very cool. Did you have any favorite uh, labels when you were, you know, starting out, growing up, etc.? Oh man, I loved uh, Saddle Creek. Mm-hmm. I I watch that DVD still like once a month just to get stoked. <laughs> it's just like all their all their bands were from the same town at first. Yeah, you know, it's a great story. Um, I was always big like Epitaph fan. I loved like the Vagrant stuff in the 2000s, like drive through records for a short time was just the biggest thing. Oh, yeah. They're just putting out put amazing stuff for a long time there. Yeah, I love back back then, like just looking at how they put out records, they would always do this EP of a brand new band, like starting line. Here's like five song EP, two songs around the next full length. Mm-hmm. Just to ease you and tease you into that stuff. And Saddle Creek did the same thing. And I don't really... I don't see that too much in in marketing now, but yeah, maybe I'll bring it back. Yeah, I mean, they used to have. Uh, I know labels started putting out compilations like a long time ago, and like that, like was a major thing. Even selling the compilations made them a crap ton of money. You know? <laughs> oh yeah, another year on the streets. I mean, Asian mm-hmm. Man Records did Mail Order is Fun, which is like my favorite one probably ever. Mm-hmm. I've got every single version. I was a big ska kid. Yeah, me too. 
I come, I'm from generally from outside Chicago and I moved to LA here for, you know, doing music stuff in 2008, but, but yeah, definitely into, I was huge into punk and ska. You, you didn't see slapstick. They're from Chicago. Oh yeah. Yes. It's one of my favorites, man. I think I saw them in Connecticut at the tune in, but I was mm. too young to like really care. <laughs> we used to always have mustard plug coming through. Cause I'm pretty positive. They're from like the Detroit area. Mustard plug is <laughs> always, always around still. <laughs> yeah, I, I did a for like a warp tour. I did like merch for Big D and the Kids Table in like two thousand five, nice. six, and that was just kind of like one of my first super long tours to go on. Nice. Was that uh, I don't know? Was that tiring to go on that kind of a deal? Yeah, it was. It was. It just you just don't sleep. Mm-hmm. You don't sleep, but it's so much fun. Just you know, waking up, running on pure adrenaline. <laughs> literally monster you know i told you i was gonna get a monster energy drink and this is where my love for monster came from nice we got free blue monster energy drinks if you're on the tour and i would just kill them i would like to live <laughs> on them it's my heart's gonna explode soon so what can you do seriously like i'm pushing i'm i'm late 30s so like that stuff like i'm like i'm this is gonna help me be uh, more energetic like no this is gonna give you more anxiety today <laughs> yeah <laughs> I, I I needed to get through the day. Sometimes it's it's coffee, and I, then I uh, graduate to a monster. Do you have a certain genre that you guys that you generally work with? I I don't know. I just kind of mm. do. What I think I really love. Mm. We dabble in you know I guess like the indie rock punk world. Mm. Like we have like the really pop bands. Like a City Mouth is really pop. They're border mm. on. Like radio pop, and we have bands like uh, Kali Masi, who's more like Menzingers, pop punk. And then, like, Sarah the Safe Word is like cabaret rock, like full on, like, violin, cello stuff. And it's really, I really just try to do what I like, and I try not to sign too many bands that sound alike. Yeah. And I guess that's more, I don't want to send press and promo stuff and, and putting on a record like, into the same people like all the time. And they might be like confused. Like, is this this other band? They sound similar. <laughs> yeah. Or just like, this is the, you know, this is your, you're a one trick pony. This is the only thing you're good at doing. Like I remember, uh, when Mest came out, I'm pretty positive. Goldfinger was like helping them out. And I'm like, they sound very similar. <laughs> oh yeah. I think, I think John from Goldfinger produced the mess stuff. I think, that's, that's what, on, yeah, I think you're right. Mess came out on like Madonna's label. Maybe I could be wrong. Maverick. <laughs> that's what it was called. Maverick. I noticed a lot of labels that I, you know, I've talked to. Uh, they, the person in charge, still has like another like side gig or, or side job outside of owning the label. Uh, are you 100 percent in the label right now, or do you have an outside job? No, I'm still working. Of course, I'm still working like uh, 20 to 30 hours a week at another job for the good old insurance. Ooh, yeah, a pretty good company. It's like a grocery store, which is now it's. Honestly, it's it's really it's hard work <laughs> now with, with with during these times is going and just run around. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, especially with the grocery. Gosh, that has to be they have to be posting a crap ton of profits for one for two. That has to be just an insane amount of work right now. Oh, it's just like you do you do it. You get out everything you can kind of call it my exercise. I'm doing that. That seems like a very stable situation normally, though. Oh, normally it's pretty easy. I usually just do some nights so I can kind of wake up. You know, check in with the bands, emails, you know, kind of plan my weeks. I'm usually, I do like, uh, I think it's three nights, three to nine. Some one's like 1230 to nine. They're nice. pretty, they're super flexible. It allows me to still, you know, stay grounded, do, do, do a job where I don't really need to think. No offense mm-hmm. to that job. It's just, you know, here's the stuff you need to put out. Here's where it goes. It's not hard. It's just, you know, tedious, time consuming and doing it safely. Do you know who Ari Herstand is? I don't. He was a musician or still is, I guess, but he kind of became like a music blog guy. He was helping fight like a, there's a, we had a horrible law out here in California called AB five that, you know, it was stupid. It screwed a bunch of musicians over. But, uh, anyway, in one of his books, he had said, get yourself, like, if you're going to work in like in the music industry, whether it be, you know, a band or whatever, like get yourself a job that takes your body and not your mind is like, because, you know, you want to have that creative energy as opposed to, you know, 
you know, if you work at Starbucks, it's like, okay, good. I can at least save that creative energy for later, you know? And I, and I did work at Starbucks when I was in a band. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That when I was writing albums. Yeah. Do you think that helped as opposed to like something that would, you know, you being in an office or something, someone just more annoying you to death? I, I, I do like this working in the studio was more, it was more creative and trying to, you know, you're talking to bands and, and helping bands out. But as like the side job other than creativity, I always wanted to do something that was just really, you know, not simple, but more, like you said, more physical work, especially as I'm at a desk all day. I'm sitting down, I'm like, I want to get up. I want to move around. I want to do something. I'm a huge basketball fan. I can't even play basketball for the past, I don't know, six weeks. Yeah. And that's really affecting affecting me. Yeah. I mean, I just started getting back uh, into keto and working out at the gym right when this, all this crap started hitting again. Like being a, a mixer and an engineer, it's like you sit like 90% of the day and it's just, it's going to affect my health. I just know it. <laughs> How did you find all the artists that are on your label? Uh, the first couple were local ones. The first one base was uh, this band, Arrows Over Athens, and they're kind of like a pop pop punk emo band mm-hmm. you know dual vocalists by the way that's the one that like my daughter was drawn to she loves uh like paramore and that kind of like rock pop kind of stuff we were just going through the bands like the other day and she's like oh i really like this one like oh cool <laughs> yeah mimi michelle the, the singer um yeah she kills it she's in a in like a folkier more like foxing band now but nothing serious but anything she sings on is just phenomenal you know we recorded at the studio i worked at i was managing them and then we didn't you know we're like all right well we got this record that we recorded at the studio that i work at we might as well put it out ourselves too mm-hmm. and that, and i actually went back to school so i was like yeah well i'm gonna start this entrepreneurship class and do a label for it and also actually do it yeah so it's really this serendipitous moment i'm like all right well i'm starting a label that's cool how much development do you normally do? Uh, since you worked at a studio, do you get in there and produce and stuff too? I get to do some production on some bands. Uh, I, I offer any critique. Some bands like it. Some bands don't want any critique. And mm-hmm. I'm okay with it. You yeah. know, I'm not signing a band because, you know, what I can change for them sonically. I think that there's just as a label, like I, I never want to get too far into the creative process unless people a lot like want me to do that. So there are they generally receptive about like the label owner producing albums? Not really producing more. Just, I hear demos and I'll, you know, I'll figure out a song, you know, on guitar and, and you know, their structure and be like, hey, you know, I really love this, 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 this and this. But here's the one thing that I would change. Mm-hmm. And try to just keep it really simple and stuff that I, I not necessarily don't like, but something that I think would add to the song. And I give them, you know, I give them a reason why I'm like, yeah. this, you know, here's the best part of the song. Why don't we have it three times or this, you know, changing this part would create more attention here. I don't know. And some people listen, some people don't. It's just really the musician to me that blurts out things. So for, for business aspects of it, do you have like an LLC for it? And if you do, how hard is that process? Um, that was pretty early on to, to do that. Um, it's not that in Massachusetts, it's not that hard in Massachusetts. And now it's, it's, uh, in, in, uh, Ohio. So changing it over, I kind of have people who do that. I just don't like, I don't like dealing with like the money, money stuff. I really love developing bands. I really, I really like, uh, just figuring out where they fit and just, trying to create a fan base or you know dealing with the press i love doing the press stuff even though i I have hired out for press and there's only a few people that i really love for that like jamie at no earbuds is someone that i've went to a lot and she's one of the people that you can trust if you're going to pay someone money that she's going to do her best job Oh yeah, I heard PR is just just a nightmare for paying people to do things. Yeah, because it's just hit or miss. It's more like, well, you're paying somebody, but they're probably working four records, and if your record's not one of those top three, then you're gonna you can't send four bands to one person in a month. I like doing it so I can space it out. Like I got to do the Snarls uh, P- record for PR by myself because I just really love the record, and we. 
you know, we locked down just Rolling Stone and NPR and MTV and they nice. had a good following and this, I just kind of paid attention to everyone who followed them on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, you know, putting the work and any writer who cared about them at all. Like, all right, well, here's a record that's coming out that you seem to like. It's t- it, Yeah, it's tedious. It's like really hard work to d- be good at press and yeah. to pay attention to every writer and every magazine and, and more importantly, treat everyone equally. From like the smallest zine to, you know, Rolling Stone. That's another thing I try to do is, especially with bands, even, you know, if a band sends me a demo, I'm going to listen to it. Because if I send out press, I want them to listen to it. That's all I ask. Mm. You know, if you don't like it, that I can't help you there, but I'm going to punish you until you listen to it. (laughs) No, no, I'm not going to punish that. I'm not that hard bad of a punisher. (laughs) I, you know, two follow-ups at most. Nice. Yeah, it's it's kind of hard sometimes in the podcast to like get people to respond. I even had uh, I had a podcast before this called A Band's Life. I was like, you know, I'll just interview bands that I think are doing well in the industry, and no one would get back to me ever. <laughs> and I just have to pester and pester and pester. It's like, ugh, annoying. Oh, I mean, bands <laughs> are the worst to get back on anything. That's why that late that uh, podcast is no longer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I try to get bands through their own press. Like just answering emails. Sometimes it takes oh. two weeks for five questions. Yes. I don't know why, but that is an interesting thing. Like you figure they'd want to talk about themselves more. <laughs> Some people get really anxious when they do when they talk about themselves, or they don't want to say something. They need to sound cool. I don't know. I, I may be reading it into it too much, or they may they may just be more focused on the art and hate press. A lot of bands just don't like press or don't like reviews of music i'm sure so do you have like did you have like a professional lawyer write-up contracts or are they kind of handshake agreements or how's that kind of how was that process you know i've done i mean lately it's been like not long contracts you know they're four or five pages long and they're pretty simple and anytime there's been a dispute on anything it's like hey what can we do to fix it how do we you know I'm not, you know, we're not making tons of money and no one, no one really is on an indie label. Um, yeah. But some of them are, you know, hand, handshake deals where just, you know, 50-50 and here's everything. And those are some of the early bands. And those are some of the bands that I have, re- st- you know, I still talk to that are in bigger labels. Did you do like single record deals with them or were there more? At first it was single and then now it's more two album deals because most you know, it's really hard to make money on the first record for anybody because that's where just all the work is going in and all really just, especially when you're pressing vinyl, like, you know, you're putting 10 grand into a project for recording, you know, vinyl. Oh yeah. It's trying to leave, you know, you're trying, you're like a rocket ship trying to leave the freaking atmosphere. It gets, it's easier when you get out, but like, you know, getting out of there is, it's hard to do. Okay. I mean, we'll, you know, you'll start making money if a band's still a band after their first, when they're on their second album and they're, you know, a year into their second album, but you're not really instantly making money on too many bands at all. We're, you know, knock on wood, we're on the second album of of a a lot of bands this year. Um, Like Future Teens is, you know, they're on their, well, 2.5 and Kali Masi has their second full length. Barely Civil has another full length. Um, Man Dancing has their second full length. Sarah and the Safeward has their second full length. We're hoping, and I, and city, same thing with City Mouth, and and Jetty Bones has her, her first full length, but I mean it's on Rise Records, but I think that's something that's going to really, like her new music is freaking awesome. I've heard a single, and that's all I needed to hear. <laughs> cool. And that's really, I, I think that's where it is, and that's why I'm always like the advocate of if there's a bigger home after one, then we can send you, but ultimately it'd be, you know, I'd love to do two. And then at maybe at the end of 2021, I love to start keeping bands on and like trying to, you know, be a bigger label where we're putting even more money into our bands and we're able to keep them for a longer term. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, to go back to earlier with the bands moving on to, to bigger labels, like I don't understand why people would be so anxious to like hold on to them. Like if they're going to go somewhere else, because like, if you take a look at, at, uh, lookout records while they you know ended tragically that's kind of their fault but they made so much money from the back catalog of all those bands that moved on to bigger things 
that was just it was insane and i don't understand why labels wouldn't be more willing to be like no no please give bigger so the stuff that we already did with you does better you know yeah i mean that's it it all depends if it's like do you own that record is it Mm -hmm. a license how long is the license for um some labels they want to hold on i mean if you're a small label and you have one band that's doing it you want to hold on to that band right it's your you know your quote-unquote cash cow because you know a lot of people think like oh i'm never going to find a band like this again conversely i thought i can do this a lot more often so i felt i knew my place in like the ecosphere of music industry world where at the time, you know, a year, two years ago, I really needed to try to, you know, get bands, you know, be the first person to get on these bands and help them build to finding an agent, to find tours, to find bigger labels, to find like management teams, to just like really carve out these 18 month, 24 month plans and have a bigger vision so that in turn, because these bands are succeeding, a, I'd be able to get better bands because better bands further along in their career would take the label more seriously and I'd be able to kind of have a better pick. Mm-hmm. You had mentioned uh, doing vinyl earlier. How, I don't know, how how's that process and do you do that for every band? Like you said, like you were talking about uh, the first you know, record is the hardest. Would Do you do that for the first record of most artists too? We started off doing it a lot and we found, you know, we've, we've done vinyl for two or three, two or three bands in the beginning vinyl that the bands broke up within a year of it coming out, which sucked. And then we, you know, we still have a lot of the older vinyl, but when we start doing it again and going to, you know, just doing it more smartly, like we didn't have to do it right off the bat. Um, an example is like Barely Civil. We didn't do it right off the bat when their album came out, but we did about six months later, which, you know, it breathed some new life into the album. I think we, we did it for a like Black Friday sale. Like the album came out in March and then whatever Thanksgiving, we did it like $10 vinyl and it, we, you know, we sold a bunch. We was like, all right, let's do a huge sale. First time on vinyl. Let's just get it out to people. But we we're, you know, we're finding that you don't necessarily need vinyl, especially if a band's not touring and you're trying to build a band. If there's a band that's already put out like two records and this is their full, third full length, you, I mean, to me, you have to do it. But the mm-hmm. smaller bands where you're just building, like, you know, you don't need to spend $5,000 on vinyl because it's going to look cool. I mean, yeah. I think you can do better things with merchandising, just doing more shirts and trying to do cheaper items. Or not not so much cheaper, but items you don't need to press five hundred of to have a profit margin that's you know acceptable. Yeah, I mean working with bands over the years, like vinyl was a huge thing always with them, like pushing for it, and and even even go back to when CDs start being like easy to to get done, and they'd want to get like a thousand or something. And I know some of those bands that even moved on to bigger 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 things and they still have like you know a giant box of those stupid things in their basement (laughs) yeah i remember rufio was doing ten thousand cds out of their van before they got a record deal yeah or against me was doing i remember them playing like umass doing cds right out of the van forever till they got huge i mean now people now kids aren't buying cds like that i do think they're buying vinyl but you know, we like to do cooler, you know, people want cool colors. I want the packaging to be professional. There's a lot of thought that goes into it. And just mm-hmm. like the aesthetic and the look that fits the album and the, the bands that really dive into that stuff, I'm, I get excited about. Like the Glass yeah. Beach album. If you, the band that run for cover to this double LP of Glass Beach. I love that band and it just looks awesome. I was always drawn to like even even with CDs like every once in a while you get a band that would just make like a really well packaged CD with like something crazy different and like oh wow even though I I might not even be into this artist this this is an art in and of itself. Yeah, I, I think the the visual the visual aspect behind a lot of artists is is huge. And a lot of those people are just like unsung uncredited artists. I always want to make sure I'm crediting people on like photo posts and I'm not 
always the one to I don't do it all the time because I'm always trying to get like one link in and one thing and make people you know less text the better on social media yeah but I always like oh I go in and I'm like I gotta edit this person in because this person's the photographer and that you know we don't get this image unless this person puts it in um, more often than not I do it I hate when I don't do it yeah do you guys do cassettes too at all yeah we we uh we do cassettes on a few bands. We've licensed out cassettes to labels and we've done like exclusive cassettes for other releases. It all, it all depends. Like some, some bands are cassette bands and some bands are not. Yeah. Uh, I try to really read the room, but I'm, I'm open to anything. So a lot of labels don't want to do cassettes and I, you know, we have like future teens, like their new LP breakup season on Triple Crown. Triple Crown didn't want to do cassettes. I'm like, let me do cassettes, and they're like, sure. They're like, you know, just like very easy. Like, okay, <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> there's no money in cassettes. I'm like, eh. I mean, I know there's no money, but it's it's cool to get it out there and have that medium. Yeah, I feel like it, there's obviously no one that's really listening to them. I mean, it's I mean, vinyl in and of itself. I think the the numbers are like 85 percent of people that buy it don't even listen to it. So it's kind of, I don't know, something fun to have. <laughs> I actually have the record player with a cassette player in it so I can. Listen, yeah, so I can listen to the tapes. Nice. And boy, the tapes sound bad. Yeah, <laughs> I just sold. I had some tooth and nail stuff from the late 90s. Like I just sold a bunch of that stuff online the other day. I was like, oh, people want this still. <laughs> And I listened to it. I was like, "Oh, it's awful." <laughs> it's more. It's more just a physical collecting issue. Yeah, pretty much. So, um, with streaming and whatnot being getting bigger and bigger, I know people love to hate on it. How, what's your take on it, and how does that kind of play into your uh, into your income as a label? Uh, I don't. I don't hate on it. Uh, I, I know the labels like Dr- Vagrant and Drive Through are loving it because it. It you know they sold out like Save Zay, Stay Where You Are. You know, you know that record. I'm sure mm-hmm. it sold. You know, over hundred thousand copies in the early two thousands, and then you know didn't sell that many copies after 2010. But streaming became big, and now that album's making. Come on, that song at your funeral has to have millions of plays. Yeah, which even if you're going by the lowest algorithm of money, which is which I see a lot of people like. Throwing off the yeah, ten million plays, and forget point oh oh four cents a play. That's you know, four hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. Uh, gosh, that song was on like a Winamp playlist for me, man. It <laughs> goes back, so it's like, yeah, it was a while ago. But if, I know that uh, forty forty thousand dollars, I was I was off by a zero. <laughs> There's a big difference. <laughs> I was like, oh, four hundred, geez, but. There are people that make that though. I, I was watching some video by Finn McKenney the other day, and he was talking about some metal band from the you know, early two thousands that's making bank off the old stuff they did. They're no longer together. So, yeah, I mean that's that's really where it is. Like it's you got to think of it as a supplemental income. Like if and then it, it also like pushes people. Like all right, well, you know, you really need to pay attention to Spotify and Apple and the playlisting people, and to be able to write a really good pitch. Mm-hmm. Um, we we have bands that do pretty decently on it, and it's not going to make back a recording budget of ten thousand, and then you know in in like a couple months. But over the span of two years, you might get it back. And then as long as streaming continues over the long run, you know if you have a record for te- a license of ten years, you're you know there's eight years of sp- the band splitting profit. Mm-hmm. But the band needs to stay together. That's really where it is. It's the bands that break up early that, you know, they put out one awesome record and they break up and there's not, you know, no one's promoting it, just living on Spotify. Oh, I imagine people too don't, I don't know, it must be probably a thing that people wouldn't want to be, you know, fans of a band that might not still be around, you know? <laughs> but, I mean, like, uh, like American football, like, blew up way after they got, way after the album came out. I remember that came out and no one really cared. Mm. And now they're just uh, they're on they had two LPs in the, what five years and they're selling out shows. Yeah, I mean that's definitely one that, that exists that 
proves me wrong. <laughs> I just found uh, a new life online. That's true. How, uh, what do you think about uh, 360-ish deals? Like uh, what if like a label was to work and purchase all said things to sell? I mean, I don't think they're cool unless mm. the, like I guess if you're a major label and you're offering tons and tons of money and in this climate, like bands are bands making, you know, three records. Mm-hmm. It's like, do, I don't think any label should be doing that and offering, you know, $50,000. I don't think that makes sense at all to yeah. take, take that. Uh, I'm always, I mean, we don't deal with any publishing. Like we give all the publishing to the bands. In fact, I recently found one of my bands, a publishing deal and mm-hmm. we, we don't take any of that money. Okay. Um, merchandising. So they- we do, you know, we, we own a couple designs for each band, but other than doing the stuff like with a pre-order with an album, like that's all the band stuff, all the, sh- all the shows of a 360. That's, you know, we're finding agents for the bands and that's between the agent and the band. Mm-hmm. We're, we're just, you know, supplementally trying to support those tours through press, through, you know, finding like audio tree sessions or pace sessions or little elephant sessions or, you know, local write-ups and magazines as a label. That's kind of what we're supporting in hopes that you're going to sell our physical medium or stream it online. Mm-hmm. That's that's really between the band. That's where the band makes the most money is playing shows, which is really unfortunate with this. Who knows what's going to go on the next yeah. six months? I was going to ask how hard that's kind of hit you guys and the artists. Oh, pretty hard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I, I'm scared to see what happens when you know we're supposed to open up in what a week, week and a half. Oh, is that you guys are doing that? You I guys mean, are opening think, up in a week. Uh, May 4th is supposedly mm. like not well two weeks, I guess, but some states are opening up. I think Texas is opening up soon. I don't know what's real or what's not. I heard 29 states are going to open up at least slowly. Yeah. And if it goes badly, you know, sports and music are going to take the biggest hit. <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, bars too. I mean, I, I have friends who are you know, bartenders, waitresses that are just out of work are, you know, they're, they're look, like looking to clean people's houses. It's just bad. Yeah. Yeah. That's gotta be hard. Yeah. I mean, there's like grants and all, all this stuff that's going out. I don't even, I, you know, I don't know personally anyone who's gotten them. Yeah. I actually tried to get one and it was like the website was down, 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 down. And then there was a page that was like, Oh, um, well we're out of money. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Every every like the entire fund yeah it was out on last Friday or something, and if mm. you if you didn't apply then no you're out of luck. It's like oh cool, yep. cool. And it ended up going to like a crap ton of like huge companies. Oh yeah, I'm reading <laughs> just just stuff where like hedge fund people are claiming it like as a small business. I you know I'm trying to read as much as possible and not believe everything. Yeah, it's hard not to be uh, disappointed in that. Have uh. Have any of your artists or you guys as a label kind of changed your social media presence up because of it? I, I see a lot of bands or, you know, even even freaking celebrities are out there like doing different things because, you know, everybody's stuck at home. We're I know there's tons of live streams. I'm not sure if people are watching them. I know mm-hmm. some like some are. I'm not sure if that's good or, or, or just bad because it, people it's going to get played out. I, I yeah. feel like people are really everyone's reacting as opposed to like setting agendas on what to do mm-hmm. and how to plan it out. Um, I, you know, the hardest question for me is do, are we going to bump albums? A lot of bands just don't want to, they want to put it out without any touring, which is, it could be awesome because everyone's at home and there's a chance to listen to music. But like every day I go on Twitter, I see a bunch of writers getting laid off or, you know, fired or yeah. anything. It's like, all right, well, the press, there's less people to talk about your record. There's, you know, really a minimal amount of sites that you can go to. And the bigger sites are very hard to get, period. Uh, you know, trying to get that word of mouth fan fan push. Yeah, I think it probably probably fall back on how well they are connected to their their fans on social media and whatnot right now then. How how involved in that are you as a label, like in the band's social media presence? Are you completely hands off or? Um, 
I usually we usually have an art person that creates a lot of stuff for our bands, and I'm usually telling I tell a few bands like please post more on social media. Mm-hmm. But there's other bands that post so much. It's just very polarizing in between bands, the bands that want to post more and bands that don't. Some people mm-hmm. right now are just getting really anxious that, you know, they had a tour for 30 days and an album that just came out. You know, normally you're going to get the post. Your social media plan was going to be posting all the new cities you're in and all the new fans you're making every day. Uh, and, and now now you're at home doing nothing wondering if your tour is canceled or postponed and then you know we we have bands that have you know a touring for 12 months planned out and one got and the first one got canceled not even postponed and then we're waiting to announce the next one we don't know if that's gonna cancel or postponed and it's it's really just a crapshoot yeah have any of them gone to like patreon or anything like that like uh with my other podcast at a band's life one, most bands had a really negative view of it. Uh, I don't know. I mean, we've done is like where any, any, we basically gave like free merch to every band that we mm-hmm. could to sell. Like, you know, some bands had to, like, we printed up, you know, we gave them like a f- hundred vinyl and like a hundred CDs and, you know, a hundred shirts for their tour. They're supposed to go on, mm-hmm. you know, and they pay us, you know, basically the cost of it where it's like just just keep them like don't even pay us anything which is basically like giving like 2500 to 3000 free merch i'm yeah. like sell them online sell them in your store do what you can to make money um there's grant stuff out there for bands i know one of our bands got like a local like columbus music grant in ohio cool. so we're st- i'm anytime i see something like that i'm sending it to bands doing a lot of like Instagram live, like, Hey, you know, post a Patreon, play this live set, see if people can give you money. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I really wonder why, like why artists, at least in, you know, like I said, for that other podcast I used to do, we're very negative about it because to me, like as a fan of like certain bands, it's, it's so easy to be like, here's a dollar a month, like, and not even, it not even affect you. Like you don't even realize that dollar comes out of your bank account, and it could be something like when this kind of crap would would were to happen, like it could support that artist long term. So, yeah, I haven't seen any of our bands do a Patreon for like an extended time. I know they'll throw like a PayPal link when they're doing live stuff mm-hmm. recently, which I think you know it's kind of like going on the street, throwing out a guitar case, and hey, we're playing a set. If you like it, throw some money. Yeah. Do people are people receptive of that instead? Yeah, I mean uh, the bands are okay with that. Mm. I don't know how much the bands are because some some bands have jobs that they're still doing, mm-hmm. and some bands are just out of luck, not able to have any job because they're supposed to be on tour. There's yeah. so there's so many in betweens, and then I don't want to be the person to tell them like what's good and what's bad. As far as like, yeah, I, I think everyone should try it out. Like, a page, it's not going to hurt your image mm-hmm. to say, "Hey, we're going to play some shows." Here's a Patreon. Here's a PayPal. I don't think there's any negative connotation. Being like, you know, we're we need money. Yeah, it'd be appreciative of the fans. You know, I think there's ways. Maybe get demos out there of old stuff and try to you know have the bands like release it on their own. Like do Bandcamp, I. It all depends how long it's going to last. That's true. I mean, I'm sure it's hard for you guys, and I definitely know it's hard for the bands too. So, here's hoping that that. Uh, here's hoping that uh, all the good news we've been hearing lately about it kind of coming to an end uh, is true. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I think I'm, I'm very doubtful of it. It just, I mean, maybe you'll get to play shows in your own state, which should be really interesting. I don't know. It's hard to completely open back up i'm sure just right off the bat not have people scared to come out yeah i mean the trump phase one is start you know people who have to go back to work Mm -hmm. be the guinea pigs see if they get sick and then phase two is oh that that worked let's let's get the uh, more important people out there 
Yeah. Which is, I mean, I'm one of the people working right now in, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not, I don't think I'm scared cause I'm sort of young and in okay shape. So I don't think I'm going to die from it, but I just would never want to spread it or just be mm-hmm. part of that. You know, the asymptomatic people other than like working at the, at the store, I'm just in inside working on music. I'm listening yeah. to so many new bands. Whew. Yeah. That is one good thing. Maybe maybe that'll come out of it is that, you know, people got into more music because of it. I hope so. Streaming numbers are finally going back up. Mm-hmm. It was really down. I get I get numbers from our distributor on like worldwide trends. And what went up first couple or three weeks were uh, children's music and workout playlists. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> Everybody at home. Here, kids. Yeah, here's here's for the kids. I'm going to go work out in the other room. Kids listen to this playlist, the kids stuff. Yeah, I know YouTube was like crashing with how much people were watching it too. So People want to watch stuff and get their mind off of it. Music, I feel, is a more immersive thing when you when you want to really listen to music. And then you're like, you're losing these commutes to work too, where music is a huge part, part of it. Hmm. Especially, you know, especially in the cities, you know, you got an hour commute to your job. Well, I'm going to listen to music for an hour. What, you know, it's this playlist. No one's listening to that playlist anymore because they're not commuting. They're at home yeah. and they're like, I'm just going to watch two episodes of the show to kill time in between lunch and breakfast or breakfast and mm-hmm. lunch. Yeah. I mean, when I did my, uh, I would do some gig stuff on the weekends if mixing wasn't doing too well. <laughs> and so like, yeah, that was definitely put on a playlist or put on a podcast, you know, <laughs> Um, who, well, I'm going to wrap up here in a second, but, uh, for distribution, who do you guys usually go through for online stuff? Well, ADA is our physical and digital distribution. Oh, distribution. okay. So it's wrapped, wrapped up, up in one. one. Yeah. So they, they, you know, they do like Epitaph. Uh, I, I think they still do run for cover just so, you know, all the bigger labels, it's really between that and like the orchard or like the two really big distributors for indie labels out there. Oh, okay. I have to look into them. Yeah. It helps us like you know, helping with pitching for playlists and helping, you know, you know, say if there's something wrong, um, on like Spotify, I know kids who would like to use distro kit or like tune core it could take like a week to fix, but you know, going with a bigger distributor, it, you know, it could take like 25 minutes to fix. Nice. Which I mean, I, I like to think that we don't have too many mistakes, but <laughs> in case it comes up. Yeah. Well, I definitely have friends that that's happened to. Like to where they had to, you know, it was a pain getting them to actually change things. Yeah, wrong profile, or you're, you know, if you get if you get the wrong thing on the first day, you lose the algorithm. Period. Yep. So, um, here's kind of like my wrap up thing. My idea of uh, kind of like record labels going into the future includes a lot more like social media and a lot more like of bands kind of needing to shift to become like content creators in general, maybe to follow a bit of that, like, you know, YouTuber ish trend. Uh, what do you think about the idea of a label becoming more central and helping them kind of provide that content? No, I think that's a key thing that we do. Um, we're, you know, a label is essentially, you know, a bank with a marketing firm. Uh, Mm -hmm. we, try to help any band create as much content as they want. You know, we have an art person in house that, that helps out with a lot of that stuff if they want to, but often, you know, bands have their own people and I'm okay with that. Um, Hmm. Labels, you know, we're curators, you know, labels are making are really the, a bigger picture, you know, playlist maker. Hmm. We're trying to build, you know, as far as what we do, like, you know, we're dealing with the press every day we're dealing with agents, managers, trying to figure out, you know, a long-term plan, how to build a band to create, you know, fan bases in different areas, how to build on that, how to create, you know, find the right market for the band. Like where they, some bands are great on Bandcamp. Let's focus our stuff there. Some grant bands are great on YouTube. Some bands perform on SoundCloud. Some bands were really killing on Spotify, but they don't do it on YouTube. Why not? Where's the disconnect? And that's mm-hmm. really... As a label, we're trying to, you know, figure out every day and build upon. And if we can, you know, make one success, you know, one one positive move every day for each band, I feel it's a good day. Nice. Well, thanks so much, dude, for uh, 
for doing the podcast. I know we went a little bit over than the time I said we were going to take, but uh, I appreciate you coming on, man. Yeah, it was fun. I I mean, I, I'm, I'm here all day, so. <laughs> I, I have found that uh, people are more, have I've gotten like four or five podcasts in this last week booked for, for, for recording, so I might be set for a month or so. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Yeah, I'm excited. I like I like the story. Let me know when you start. Is your label up and running? No, no. The whole idea of the podcast is to kind of it's a journal and like me go, going along with it to to kind of force me to go it because I've had an idea for label for years. So uh, this is kind of more forcing me to move forward. And uh, yeah, as soon as like it's supposed to kind of meet bands on the podcast and you know try to get go through all the small details and even to the contract and everything else. So it's kind of just walking along with the process. Yeah. I mean, it's re- have you, have you found the band? I feel like I'm no. interviewing you now, you now. <laughs> <laughs> no, not yet. We've got a few people that have uh, emailed me about it yet, but uh, I'm hoping to, I'm hoping to wait till maybe I can get out more and see more artists. Cause I think part of it is maybe, you know, watching them live and seeing how, you know, how they do their thing. Yeah. I think, some some artists just really connect when you see them live. Definitely. I mean, I used to <clears throat> used to be a huge fan of uh, Five Iron Frenzy, and um, like, I, they're every a album. They're a fun band, like on their album, but like you go to see them live, and they're just crazy. Like they're energe- energetic. There was like one festival I went to where they threw out a pinata full of pork and beans. I mean, it was just. <laughs> they're just nuts. So like you you know like when a band is really good when they're live. Yeah. You know. oh, yeah, I saw them. I think ska against racism. Yeah. Gosh, that's way back in the day. <laughs> less, less than Jake, Five Iron Frenzy, Mike Park, Me Three Thirty. Yep, I remember that. Gosh, when they, they came through Chicago. Oh yeah, that, I saw it at uh, Hartford, and uh, the only venue in Hartford. I can't think of the name. Webster, <laughs> Webster Theater. There we go. Nice. Yeah, I'm looking probably to be more like more indie rock, more maybe pop punkish. That's kind of like where. Even though my palate's a little bit more than that, that's kind of like where my heart's always lied. But I don't know. Good bands, who knows? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's really just find something you're willing to lose sleep over. It's kind of Seriously. It. Yeah. How much? Last, last question. question. Yeah, <laughs> throw it I'm here, how, man. <laughs> how, how, uh, how much time do you think you put in uh, to the label a week? To a week? Or yeah, a I week? mean, <laughs> I'm on... I'm answering emails from the second I wake up till the second like I go to sleep. Sometimes I'm up at 3 a.m. for UK stuff. Oh wow! Uh, I don't know. It's 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 really fun for me. It it only stresses me out when when like something goes wrong that I can't I can't fix, and that's really mm-hmm. stressful. Not not even I can't fix, but I have no control over. That's the worst. If I have something you know with a band, and there's a problem. I have control over it. Usually, I fix it. And it go, you know, the band's happy. Um, the stuff I can control is like the stuff that stresses me out, and I'll lose sleep over that. But other than that, working on stuff is fun. Like, you know, getting, like, sharing music is kind of what I, you know, grew up loving to do, and I still like love doing it. Mm-hmm. Same. I'm right there with you, dude. Yeah. I mean, pr- you're probably looking at like 50 hours, and that that I'm at, like, but I'm working Saturday and Sunday. If you're counting listening to demos I get on the weekends, then that's that could be time towards the label. Mm. But yeah. yeah, it's it's uh it's yeah it's like a twenty four seven job because you never you know like especially when bands are on tour, I'll get a call from even if it's just like some, like three of my bands are at a festival and they're calling me at five a.m. because they're drunk, <laughs> and, and I'm like, what's the going on and, and what went wrong? <laughs> Nothing. We're just calling to say hello. <laughs> I'm like, gee, I'm like, guys, like, thanks, guys. guys. And they, they pass the phone around. I'm like, oh my gosh, what is going on? I'd see that number probably and be like, crap, did their van break down or something? You know, exactly. It did something go wrong. Is there a problem? Like, was a fan being stupid? <laughs> How often do you get a fan being stupid? Fans being stupid. <laughs> I mean, I have a lot of like, non non men on in on my roster and a lot of like young young dudes are dumb oh but say say stupid stuff on stage i'm like oh why are these kids saying this stuff it needs to be like a learning experience (laughs) it's because they're kids and crazy (laughs) yeah kids are kids are crazy and you know 
they don't think about what they do. <laughs> no, it, they don't. And it, uh, yeah, but other than that, it's just really, I don't think too many vans are broken down. Not, <laughs> knocking on the wood. Knocking on, yeah, it's not literally knocking on wood. It's like, ah, uh, but I can't, I can't wait. I can't wait till that's a problem again. <laughs> that's wait on that's the road. true. That's a happy yeah. problem right now. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know how many. A few bands own own vans, and some bands rent vans, and some bands borrow vans. We're just. I, I'm just mad about there's recording that gets bumped back. Yeah, and that's that's the stressful thing right now. Like we're sit, we're slowly like sitting on a few albums that are getting just final mixes and final masters. And there's like two days in the studio for another band that we're trying to schedule, but just keeps getting pushed back. Mm -hmm. And then there's a whole like two weeks in the studio with like a band that also gets keep keep getting pushed back because, you know, you can't travel to Philadelphia. You can't travel to this place. Yeah. Jeez. (sighs) Well, hoping that hoping that opens back up so that, you know, everyone can get moving again. I mean, this whole thing has kind of hampered what I wanted to do because I was like, oh, sweet. Well, I'm going to be going out to shows and we're looking for bands. And we're not like, oh, well, I guess I'm not doing that anymore. <laughs> not until this gets moving. I think I think it's a good time to find, you know, that you can find a band that you can, you know, push a band creating, you know, a digital platform where mm-hmm. it's a low, a low risk for everyone that you can like if. A lot of bands, like, I haven't gotten so many demos in my entire life in the past, like, two weeks. <laughs> they got nothing else to do. Like, oh, sweet, let's go find labels. <laughs> yeah, like, that, or like if any band who tracked their stuff, it's getting mixed and mastered now. You know, there's so much stuff out there. You know, bigger bands are in, like, this flux because bigger labels aren't, you know, they're not going to put out an album or sign a new band unless there's, you know, touring behind it. I mm. think for smaller labels that are starting up, like, well, it might be a really good time to find a good band that's in a flux where you're like, Hey, we're going to do, we're going to, this is our plan for you. It's going to be digital, but that's pretty much what everyone else is going to do anyways. Mm-hmm. Instead of being, you know, one of, you know, one of 20 bands, you're one of one. That's kind of where I wanted to go. Uh, anyway, I kind of wanted to have it more of an aspect of a lot of, a lot more social media of them doing their thing as a band. We, we, you know, have even at some point have some writers to do some stuff, almost make it like a YouTube video kind of deal. And, you know, just do, even if we need to do like singles, like once a month, like go to a professional studio, record even video for doing that. And yeah, it's, I kind of wanted to do more, more video and whatnot for that. But uh, even video would be hard for, for right now, unless they're doing it themselves. So yeah, we're doing it. We're trying to get a video, for a band right now and there's six members and they're all at home and they can't see each other and mm-hmm. we're trying to figure out a way to do a video with all of them did you see the john john feldman doing that uh goldfinger stuff oh yeah i think he even had mike carrera on it like uh i mean if they have small recording like rigs i'm sure they could do something like that yeah i think it's not even the audio it's just getting all the band members and it's going to be probably similar to that you know similar to like you know, you saw like the S. Do you see the SNL stuff they were doing? Mm-mm. SNL did a whole from at home show. Oh, it was interesting. It, I mean, there's a few bad, like bad ones. You know, they had poster board from like high school, like as the <laughs> the, the visuals in the background instead of actual, <laughs> you know, professional, you know, props because they're just at their homes. But people are, you know, doing it. I think we're gonna try to do stuff like that and just get it out there and. It's either going to be really quirky and fun and kids are going to like it because there's music and some type of visual attached to it mm-hmm. or, you know, it's it's it could be a, could be a risk where like, yeah, we should have waited six months to put it out. That's really my worst fear right now, putting something out and, you know, in retrospect, like, you know, what, this would have been done better if we waited six months. But you yeah. never know. You might wait six months. You might have to wait a year. Well, I hear a lot of your emails going off. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. I, 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 no, no. It's 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 uh it's weird that I want to start the day at like eight o'clock, mm-hmm. but everyone else in music starts their day at like noon, and they get yep. It's like and mostly a lot of them are obviously in I guess in LA or different places. Yeah. But I try to do I'll, like a lot of UK stuff or like Europe stuff early. Yeah, I rock bands. When you know when I'm was I when I was working at a recording studio or like doing it myself, they generally want to get in at about nine or ten a.m. to like do music and whatnot. But like 
when I was in a uh, working for a recording studio, we did a ton of hip hop stuff, and oh my gosh, they wouldn't come until like five p.m. at the earliest, and you wouldn't get out till five a.m. to like the the latest or earliest then. So it was like, oh gosh, like stumbling outside. <laughs> but anyway, thanks, man, again for for coming on. I'll uh, let you get back to your your label duties, and I really I really do appreciate you uh, giving me all that information and whatnot, and being cool with uh, talking to a guy that wants to start a label too. <laughs> no, I wish you the best of luck. I, I think there, you know, there's always room for more people helping, you know, smaller artists and just kind of doing what they can for other people. I think it's important. Very cool. Do you want to plug any like uh, new releases or anything? Uh, we got, depending when this comes out, I guess on April 24th, we got City Mouth's new album. Uh, Coping Machine comes out. We got a new single from Super American called How Big Is Your Brain? That's already out. And Snarl's album was the first record we put out this year, and it's freaking phenomenal. Snarl's burst, yeah, check it out if you're into uh, like that dog, snail mail, soccer mommy. Very cool. Well, thanks, dude, and uh, have a good day, man. Yep, see it. <laughs>